Good morning. I'm James Holman from The Washington Post, and this is The Daily 202 for Tuesday, October 22nd. Here are impeachment inquiry updates from today's show. President Trump's effort to pressure Ukraine for information he could use against political rivals came as he was being urged to adopt a hostile view of that country by its regional adversaries, namely Russian President Vladimir Putin. Trump's conversations with Putin, Hungarian Prime Minister Viktor Orban, and others reinforced his perception of Ukraine as a hopelessly corrupt country, one that Trump now also appears to believe sought to undermine him in the 2016 U.S. election. Neither of those foreign leaders specifically encouraged Trump to see Ukraine as a potential source of damaging information about Joe Biden, nor did they describe Kiev as complicit in an unsubstantiated 2016 election conspiracy theory. But their disparaging depictions of Ukraine reinforced Trump's perceptions of the country and fed a dysfunctional dynamic in which White House officials struggled to persuade Trump to support the fledgling government instead of exploiting it for political purposes. The role played by Putin and Orban, a hard-right leader who has often allied himself closely with the Kremlin's positions, was described last week in closed-door testimony by George Kent, a Deputy Assistant Secretary of State. Current and former U.S. officials who saw this play out described what happened to my colleagues Greg Miller, Greg Jaffe, John Hudson, and Ellen Nakashima. Kent, in his testimony, cited the influence of Putin and Orban as a factor that soured Trump on Ukrainians' new president, Volodymyr Zelensky, leading up to their July 25th phone call. Other U.S. officials emphasized that while Putin and Orban denigrated Ukraine, Trump's decision to seek damaging material about Biden was more directly driven by Trump's own impulses and his personal attorney, Rudy Giuliani. The efforts to poison Trump's views towards Zelensky, though, were anticipated by national security officials at the highest levels in the White House. But the voices of Putin and Orban took on added significance this year because of the departure or declining influence of those who had sought to blunt their influence over Trump. Officials say that Defense Secretary Jim Mattis and White House Chief of Staff John Kelly leaving was a big problem in this regard. Both of them had backed U.S. military assistance to Ukraine, but were no longer in a position to protect the stream of funding when Trump ordered that it be suspended. National Security Advisor John Bolton was also a fervent backer of Ukraine and its conflict with Russia, but his relationship with Trump had deteriorated rapidly earlier in the year, and he was pushed out last month. A former White House official said that over time, you just saw a wearing down of the defenses as Trump moved more in Putin's direction. A current U.S. official notes that American policy for years has been built around containing malign Russian influence in Eastern Europe. This current U.S. government official added that Trump's apparent susceptibility to the arguments he hears from Putin and Orban is, quote, an example of the president himself under malign influence and being steered by it. The effort to keep distance between Trump and Orban, which had been successful for a long time, fell apart with the ascendancy of Mick Mulvaney, who became acting White House chief of staff in January. Mulvaney is sympathetic to Orban and his hard-right views and skepticism of European institutions. In Congress, Mulvaney's former colleagues in the Freedom Caucus, which he used to lead, backed up an effort pushed by Orban last year to kill a small U.S. grant designed to nurture independent media outlets in Hungary. Mulvaney's involvement in approving the Orban visit to the White House, where they talked about Ukraine, was one of several instances in which he overruled national security officials. 
At the same time, Mulvaney also facilitated an arrangement in which Trump directed other diplomats, including the U.S. ambassador to the European Union, Gordon Sundland, to work with Giuliani on his Ukraine agenda. Meanwhile, the Russians continue their quiet war on America. Facebook announced last night that it removed a network of Russian-backed accounts that were posing as locals weighing in on political issues in swing states. The Russian accounts praised Trump and attacked Joe Biden as corrupt. Facebook said the network bears all the hallmarks of the same Kremlin-backed group that interfered in the 2016 election. The new frontier is Instagram. The Russian accounts, some of which have been tracked back to the Internet Research Agency, are using the photo-sharing app to post more and more content about U.S. politics, and they're putting up memes targeting the leading Democratic presidential contenders. This operation has demonstrated a sophisticated understanding of the schisms inside the Democratic Party. One of the active Russian accounts that was taken down yesterday portrayed itself as a black voter in Michigan, using the Black Lives Matter hashtag to hammer Biden for comments he's made about racial issues. We've seen this movie before. Facebook CEO Mark Zuckerberg told a group of Washington Post reporters in an interview that the social network is in a much better place now to stop disinformation campaigns than it was four years ago. But Mark says the problem posed by disinformation has worsened since 2016, and he attributes that in part to a poor initial response by the U.S. government to the threat. He said because the U.S. government didn't have a particularly strong response to Russia after what they did in 2016, it sent the signal to Moscow and other countries that they could and should get in on the act as well. In other impeachment inquiry news, Trump lashed out against the impeachment process during a 71-minute extemporaneous speech at a cabinet meeting yesterday. He called on Republicans to get tougher, and he said the Constitution's emoluments clause, which bars him from taking money from foreigners, is, quote, phony. Trump then sought to defend himself from emolument clause charges by making baseless accusations against his predecessors, accusing both Barack Obama and George Washington of using their offices to enrich themselves and conduct private business deals. There's no evidence they did so. Behind the scenes, Trump's erratic and bombastic behavior is causing growing alarm among White House officials, Republican lawmakers, and major donors. They all want a more disciplined response to impeachment from the White House. The president has told several friends in recent days that he believes Democrats are more divided than they appear, and he thinks that they may not impeach him after all, according to people who have spoken with him. Many Republicans, however, have told officials in the White House and allies in Trump's orbit that they cannot mount effective arguments in defense of the president. Meanwhile, a Republican motion in Congress to censure House Intelligence Committee Chairman Adam Schiff, Democrat from California, over his handling of the impeachment inquiry was tabled on a party-line vote last night. And exactly one month after she formally launched the impeachment inquiry, Speaker Nancy Pelosi distributed what she called a fact sheet outlining what her office called gross abuses of presidential power that we already know about. It's another big day today on the Hill related to the impeachment investigation. Bill Taylor, the top official at the U.S. Embassy in Ukraine, is scheduled to appear for a deposition in the next few hours. Trump also announced during that cabinet meeting that went on and on that a limited number of U.S. troops will remain in Syria after all. They will man a garrison on the nation's southern border with Jordan. Sources say Trump has approved keeping 200 U.S. troops in the oil-producing area of the country, both to keep it out of the hands of the Islamic State and to prevent it from being claimed by the Syrian government, which is steadily recovering territory with backing from the Russian military. 
Thanks for listening. I'm James Hellman. If you want to hear full episodes, find The Daily 202 wherever you get your podcasts. Thank you.